Welcome to another podcast by Every Nation Brisbane. We're so glad you can join us here today. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at enbrisbane.org. Please enjoy the following message. I'm going to be starting a, our new series. We're just focusing on, obviously, the story of uh, the gift that we have in Christ for Christmas. And I'm going to be reading a very familiar passage uh, for us this morning. So in reverence for the reading of God's word, can I invite you to stand to your feet? The scripture simply says this. Thank you, Lord. For to us, a child is born. For to us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. The greatest gift that we could ever receive. Lord, in him, we have a wonderful counselor. In him, we have an almighty God. In him, we have the love of the everlasting Father. And in him, we recognize that he is our Prince of Peace. And we invite you, O oh God, to come and have your way in this service and in our time together as we delve into your word. Speak through me so that we'll be able to see our lives conform more to your will. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen. We're going to get into the series. The series is called Unto Us. And the title of my message today, uh, hopefully you're going to take notes because I really believe that God will utilize what um, he has for us this morning to, to help shift and change and impact your life this morning. And the title of my message is, A Child is Born, A Son is Given. Everybody say that to, together. A child is born, a son is given. For to us, turn to somebody, encourage them, for to you. A son is born, I mean, a child is born, sorry, and a son is given. I think this is really important to, to like, really dig deep on, on just the power of this part of the verse, understanding that there are two things here, and this is just the first half of the verse, understanding that, firstly, a child is born. I mean, how else do we get children, right? Cabbage patch, storks, uh, no. A child was born. And the thing about it is that the context of which Isaiah is writing this prophetic book is in a time of exile, where there is a threat of, um, of the kingdoms of Assyria and Babylon upon the people of Jerusalem and Ju Judah. And so when there is this threat, there is the promise of a savior who is to come throughout history. So even in the book of Psalms and other places in the Old Testament, we hear many references to this child that would be born to deliver the people. And this child is the child of the promise. And it speaks of God. Because I want us to understand this, all right? The power of what this means is that God is not coming in the form of a monster, God is not coming in the form of a, of like a booming voice with a power that looks like a Marvel superhero. He's coming in the form of a what? He's coming in the form of a child. And in coming in the form of a child, this speaks to the vulnerability that the almighty God, I mean, try to wrap your head around this, okay? That the almighty creator of the universe is coming to earth to enter into time and space in the most vulnerable form of a baby. This is the beauty of 
this message of this time that we get to celebrate during Advent heading towards Christmas is that the most glorious, most powerful God becomes the most vulnerable. A child is born. A contemporary of Isaiah was another prophet by the name of Micah, and he wrote in his prophecy. Now understand this, okay? This is hundreds of years before Jesus is born. He says this in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Epathra, though you are small amongst the clan of, clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler of Israel, whose origins are from old and from ancient times. Meaning that there is somebody who's going to come from the tribe of Judah who will be born in Bethlehem. Hebrew for the house of bread. How many of you know? Like he is the living bread. He is the living word of God. He is our sustenance. So understand this, guys. Before he was, hundreds of years before he is born, hundreds of years before he is born, uh, he actually um, is encountered with this, this, this prophecy, right? Like, you don't, understand this, okay? There are many prophecies in the Old Testament that would describe the life of Jesus. But here's the thing. You don't get to choose how you're born Right? You can, you can uh, read a prophecy in Psalms. Like say, let's say, for instance, that there's a, in the book of Psalms, uh, there's a prophecy that says, okay, at 11.15, you're going to go to 7.11. Then I can say, okay, 11.15, I'm going to 7.11. I'll, I'll go to 7.11 to fulfill that prophecy. How many of you know you can't choose where you're born? Like he's not sitting in the womb tapping Mary going, ah, turn left, Bethlehem's over there. Like it's none of that happening. And so for Jesus... To be the child who was born in the place of Bethlehem and in the tribe of Judah has to be, has to be just the fulfillment of prophecy. So when Isaiah says a child is born, there is this anticipation, not just from Micah, but throughout all of the Old Testament of this child who would be born. Now we go a little deeper, right? For to us. Again, turn to somebody else and tell them for to us. A child is born and a son is given. So it's not just a baby. I need, to, I need you all to understand this. It's not just a baby, but it is a son. Speaking of relationship with a father or parents, right? And he is giving to the world this baby and this baby is relational so there is a vulnerability in God the creator of the universe Psalm 8 oh Lord our Lord how majestic is your name in all the earth that God coming in the form of a human baby but not just the form of a human baby without relationship a son is given and here's the thing that flips me out every time right that the giver of the gift is also the gift. The son is given. I need you all to catch that. The giver of the gift, the, the creator of all of humanity, all of creation, all of the universe is also the gift in the form of the ultimate example of vulnerability. He is the gift. 
Now, when we think about the vastness, and often here in Australia, right, because we equate God to being like the, often the man upstairs or, or um, Jesus is my homeboy. How many of you know that's like theologically completely a disgrace if we start embracing, you know, God like a, 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 an old man in the clouds that speaks to us? How many of you know he is all-powerful, he is all-knowing, he is all-glorious, he's ever-present, he's omnipresent? That God chose to enter into time and history, wrap himself in human flesh, and is born. And he's born into society. And interestingly enough, and quite sadly enough, this, this area of society of which here uh, 2,000 plus years ago is actually a place of extreme conflict. And so when we read about what's happening in Israel and Palestine and the Gaza Strip now, and we read about him in Isaiah 9 being the Prince of Peace, how many of you know that that should resonate in us even more? Because if there was ever a time that the world needed the wonderful counselor, the almighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, that time is now. But even here in Australia, although we're on the other side of the world, there are things that we face and have faced And they may seem overwhelming. I need us to understand that in the coming of this gift, there is a statement that is repeated throughout Scripture. And he says of the same thing in giving you this gift. And these two words are fear not. Fear not. For the gift is with you. Is it fear that holds you back from receiving what has truly been given? And we see this multiple times around the narrative of the nativity, right? The shepherds, they see these, this angelic choir appear. Can you imagine you're tending to sheep out in the paddocks out in like Cleveland somewhere here? And you're out there tending to the sheep and then, you know, uh, for some reason, like early in the morning before the sun rises, you hear this angelic choir. I don't know what angelic choirs sound like. Probably not like that. But then there's just booming sound from the heavens. And then they just look up. I don't know about you, but like, I, I, I don't think that angels wear diapers. But in the moment of encountering these angels, I need a diaper because of just the, 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 the majestic nature of what's happening, right? And of course, you're fearful. But he says to us, fear not. In whatever circumstances you might be facing, fear not, for he is with us, right? In Matthew chapter 1, verses 19 to 25, there's an angel that appears to Joseph in a dream and tells him, do not be afraid. For the woman who you are betrothed to be married to is carrying the Son of God. Tells Mary the same thing. I can't imagine, I I don't have time to unpack or try to unpack what it must have felt like to be Mary or Joseph, especially Mary, to, to be in that area of extreme uh, religious standard, right? And then be one who is carrying the Son of God without a, uh, a Beyonce ring on it, right? But the Lord says, fear not. And that same God says to you, if you receive the gift of the child who was born and the son who was given, we are to fear not. 1 John chapter 4 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. How many of you know we have a perfect love in the gift that Christ has given us? For fear has to do with punishment, 
And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. This is where I kind of want to just land the plane with this message here today and invite us into a space of encounter with this God that we're talking about, with this Jesus who is the child who was born and the son who was given. Uh, Scott Erickson, who is a, uh, who's an author and a painter and an artist, uh, he, he did different reflections based off of this passage here, uh, talking about the difference between love, the gift that the son brings, and fear, which clenches our fists towards not receiving the gift that God has for us. And here's some of the differences, and I've just wanted to highlight some of his artwork here. Firstly, uh, fear hates vulnerability, whereas love sings. Let me say that again. Fear hates to be vulnerable. It's afraid to be vulnerable. He says, your Savior is not afraid to be vulnerable. Your God is not afraid to be vulnerable. And if there's ever a perfect picture of what it means to be vulnerable, it would be that cruel cross of which he died and laid his life down in order that we might receive eternal life and live with him in relationship with God. This is the ultimate example of vulnerability. But also we must remember that in Zephaniah, Scripture describes our God being vulnerable in the sense that he loves to sing with his kids. He, he loves to joyously sing over us. Are you afraid of being vulnerable this morning? Here at Every Nation Brisbane, my heart as your pastor is that we create environments where people are able to come to God with vulnerability towards the hope that we have in the wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting father and the prince of peace. He doesn't leave us in our vulnerability, but he is the hope that lifts us out of our vulnerability. Secondly, fear wanders the future, whereas love plants right here. Let me say that again. Fear wanders to the future while love plants right here. What do I mean by that? We can see this in Matthew chapter 6, right? Consider the lilies of the field and how they are dressed. You don't see the lilies of the field and stressing out. Oh, no, I don't know where I'm going to get my clothing from. Consider the sparrows, okay, for you that are Sister Act 2 fans, right? His eye is on the sparrow and he watches over the sparrows. How much more? Will he watch over you? How much more will he take care of you? Fear wanders into the future. Where am I going to get my money? Where am, where's the market going? When am I going to be able to afford a property? When am I going to be able to do this or do that? It, it starts to stress out about the things of tomorrow. And then Matthew 6 goes on in verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all things will be added unto you. 34 says, do not worry about the things of tomorrow. For tomorrow will have enough cares of its own. Turn to somebody, encourage them, live right now. Fear wonders the future. Not in a way that's helpful. I think it's important to plan for the future. But if you're stressed about the future, you haven't given your future to God. It's an old adage we hear preachers say, right? I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. So it's a matter of trusting our future to God. And saying, God, I submit my plans like clay on the potter's wheel. Mold them and shape them in conformity to your will. Not what I want, but what you want. You, you think about it, right, with regards to how often when we operate in fear, we protect ourselves from that vulnerability. It might be uh, the, uh, the statements that we run in our heads, right? 
We protect ourselves like from loving other people because we're fearful. Oh, they might not love me back. We, we guard ourselves from building the possibility of friendships or they'll eventually leave. Just because of that one knucklehead that left you or whatever, you feel like everybody's against you. So you won't trust with open hands that God might be bringing you into good friendships that will nurture your soul. Maybe you're, you're, you're afraid of stepping fully out into the vocation that God has called you to step out into. You're thinking, oh, it won't work out. How many of you can hear those types of statements are not from God? Right? Maybe there's desires in you that God has evoked for you to step out, and you're, you're thinking, oh, the pain of disappointment will be too great. Fear isn't interested in a life, fear is interested in numbness. If the enemy can cause you to be numb, cause you to, 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 to kind of not be vulnerable and to clench your fists rather than open your hands to God in vulnerability and say, God, I trust you. I trust in your ways. I trust in your ways vulnerably towards my relationships, towards my friendships, towards my finances, towards my career, towards my family, whatever it is, God, I come to you with open hands and I plant right here in today. I'm not going to be stressed or anxious about the things of tomorrow for tomorrow I place in your hands. Every, you look at life differently. Every breath that you breathe is a gift from heaven. Let's move on. Fear also sees walls, whereas love sees hope. Fear causes us to not be able to see the possibilities, not be able to see our theology as a possibility. It's almost like we read the Bible as a fairy tale and then close it and say, but that's not for me. Do we understand that the same God in the book of Acts is your God too? The same God that is able to heal, able to deliver, able to provide, able to take care of you is your God. We read it in the scriptures, but somehow when we close our Bibles or our app, we think, oh, that's not for me though. It's as if we come here. Or we come into environments where we hear the word of God or you wake up in the morning and maybe you, you are faithful in reading the Bible, but you don't have faith to actually believe it could possibly be true for your life. For unto us, the son is born and this child has been given to us, right? Whether it's a true story or not, fear wants to convince you that obstacles are evidence that you're going the wrong way too. Because guess what? We're going to face obstacles, but they're not walls, and the thing about walls or mountains, for instance, the scriptures promise us, right, that we can have a faith that moves mountains or we can have a strength to climb mountains. God's good at mountains. He created them. And there is no mountain in your way that is not too big for your God because your God created them. And a lot of times mountains are obstacles that are placed there to strengthen us, to strengthen us in our faith so that we will trust him more. But do we trust him? Do we trust them or do we see fear as a wall and then we confine ourselves and time just keeps ticking by? James 4 describes life as being like a mist, like a vapor. It's just a matter of time before this life is over. But when you begin to see this life in the perspective of eternity, you see that this life is not all there is. But oftentimes we can live like this life is all there is. And that's not true. That's not right. We think, okay, because of past failures, it may not turn out the way 
that we think we will, uh, will, and then we fear, right? That fear starts to grip our hearts. How many of you have heard either your flesh or the enemies start to tell you you're going to embarrass yourself? And so on and so forth, right? Fear has a hundred plus reasons why you should stop. Why you should stop walking. One of the founders of our movement of churches, uh, Pastor Rice Brooks, often said that, you know, if you take a step backwards in your faith, there's always going to be a crowd around you that will tell you you're doing great. Shrinking back, somebody else will confirm. And they're not necessarily those who are called to walk in faith, but that you, you start shrinking back and then people start getting around you, convincing you that, Wow, you're doing, you're doing great. That's, that's right. Yeah, shrink back, shrink back. There's always going to be like-minded people because misery does love company. Don't shrink back. Get around people who will actually help you to see that love that Christ has given us. For unto us, this child has been born. The son has been given to give you a life of freedom. And not to love the clothes of the slavery of which the enemy hopes that you would stay shackled in. Fear. This one might get you. The fear also loves scarcity. This one got me. Love trusts in God's abundance. Fear trusts in scarcity. Scarcity wants you to close your fists and hold tightly to what you have obtained because it is convinced that today is the last day of any kind of generosity in the world. So anything that you get now, you hoard it, you hold on to it because this is my portion. This is mine, mine, <laughs> this is mine. Right, But love trusts in the abundance of heaven. Love in the flesh once invited a woman at the well to know that there can never be a never-ending spring. Right, There is water of life coming from a well that will never run dry. Love once invited his friends to make themselves money belts that will never wear out. This is what Jesus said to his disciples. Right, Love once told of a father that said to his son, You'll know the parable. Everything that I have is already yours. You remember the older son in the parable of, in Luke 15? The older son was like, I can't even get a goat for me to celebrate with my friends. And here comes your, my younger brother. He didn't say younger brother. He said, your, your son. Couldn't he even identify with the lost person that was coming into the house, but was caught up in the, in, in the scarcity. See, lo love understands that there is an abundance to welcome people home, whereas fear trusts in that scarcity. And then when the lost find home, they start getting angry at the lost coming home. What, what? We don't need to trust them. Actually, we should trust in the love that God's given us and actually be the ones who should disciple them and welcome them home. Hello, somebody. But still the father meets the older son. He goes out from the party, comes out to him and says, Everything I have in this abundant kingdom that you see is already yours. And that simple phrase that he says to all of us in this room, everything that God has is yours. For to us, a child is born and a son is given. That simple phrase is the key to unlocking everything that God has in the universe. You don't need to hold tight if that statement is true. You, 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 the invitation is that you open your hands so that you can live in your inheritance. See, this is the difference between attendees and sons and daughters of the living God who understand that everything you have is his and everything he has is yours. 
Last thing I'll say about this, right? Fear wants you to believe that it's already figured out, right? Fear knows what it knows, blocks its ears. Ah, 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 you can't tell me anything new. Many of us grown up in church. I grew up in church. And so when we listen to a message like this, it can often be like, ah, we've heard this before. Yeah, every Christmas we're always going to read something around the early parts of the Gospels or maybe a prophecy like Isaiah 9, 6. But when we trust in a God, right, who, who opens our ears in a vulnerability, then we also trust that love knows how to listen to the Holy Spirit and have him shape our lives. Fear wants you to believe that you're, it's already figured out. To deal with the anxiety of this mystery, fear has constructed a cabin of mysterious woods whose walls are constructed with certain conclusions about how the world works, how relationships work, how the divine works, how God works, mostly who you are and how you are supposed to be. And you can always have an open bed in that cabin of that, that you've constructed with a security blanket included free of charge. Do you go back to the cabin with the four walls and the roof of what you've concluded, or do you keep going and brave the expansive unknown, coming out of the cabin and saying, wow, this all belongs to God. I'm going to go on this adventure and discover everything that he has for me. Love learns to listen and to trust. Even in the deepest, darkest valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil for our Lord, our God is with us. And he invites us to open our hands, open our hearts, open our lives towards this adventure of freedom as we walk with the wonderful counselor, the almighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and his name is love. His name is Jesus. And that perfect love casts out all fear. So th here's the choice. Here's the choice, church. What is controlling your life? Are we going to let love control our life? Or are we going to operate in fear and let fear control our life? This is the simple invitation towards receiving the greatest gift humanity could ever receive and the greatest gift that you could ever receive. So whatever barriers there are in order for you to receive that gift, now's the time to surrender them. Maybe you've come with clenched fists. You're still holding on to ounces of control and God says relinquish that control because you can't receive gifts with clenched fists. You have to open your hands. For to us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. The most famous verse in the Bible is for God so loved the world that he won. He gave his only what? Son, for to us a son is given, so that whoever believes in him will not die, but have eternal life. This is not fire insurance. This is an invitation to live adventurously without any inhibition, trusting in the God who is our hope and glory, our God who is the savior of it all, our God who desires to live an eternal life with you. Will you trust him or will you continue to live in inhibition say, no, I'm, I'm not relinquishing control? So this morning, I'm going to give you time in just a moment to, to do that, to, to, to pray and respond. But I think the ultimate sign of vulnerability is the cross. And I want to invite us to take communion at this point. To remember 
what vulnerability looks like. To remember what it looks like to literally live with open arms and hands. If there's anyone who had their hands open, it was the one who had the nail-pierced hands. So as we prepare to take communion this morning, I want us to remember the vulnerability of the God who came from heaven, wrapped himself in flesh, lived without a home, and died a cruel death, and is now, and is now um, based at, and seated at the right hand of the Father. Take a moment right now with those lifted hands and just begin to pray and give those things to God. Give your life to him this morning. Lord, it's with open hands that we come and surrender to you and we embrace this life that you've called us to, a life abundantly lived, life in the fullness of your design. Lord, we thank you that your perfect love casts out all fear. If you're here this morning and you've been battling fear or anxiety, I want you to just also lift your hands to him. And I want to pray for you specifically. God, I just pray for those of us who've been battling fears of, uh, of the future and what the future might hold. Lord God, we understand you hold the future. And right now we lift our future to you with open hands. Lord, your word says in Proverbs that a man plays, plans his ways, but you direct our steps. Lord, we just submit our plans open-handedly to you. Give us ears to hear your instruction and your leading and guide us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed today's message brought to you by Every Nation Brisbane. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at ianbrisbane.org. Thank you for listening. God bless.